Well, hello, folks. This is not your first round pick off of TikTok, or as some of you might know me as Jake Martin. Uh, Jacob Martin. Please call me Jake. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about my life and um, talk about, you know, my struggles, my, my good times, the people that have molded me, why I am the way I am, talk about my weight loss, talk about my TikTok journey, um, talk about the loss of my son, to talk about um, having a son in high school, um, dealing with death, everything that I've ever dealt with. Um, so to start this off, I am actually the youngest of four children. My mother had four wonderful children. Well, she had three wonderful children and then my stupid ass. Um, the oldest one, my sister, is almost 50. My brother is almost 50. And then I believe my sister is 33 or 34. And I, I think I'm 27 or 28. I try to fucking forget, honestly. It just, I don't like to think about, about my age anymore. Um, and uh, I was raised, my family's very spread out. Um, when it comes to, we're all very close, except my brother. We're not very close. All He's, he's yeah, he's my brother. And he's, yeah. But we're all very spread out throughout the country my sister uh oldest sister is in idaho my other sister she's been all over the world really um traveling with her husband who's been in the navy and now she's in the navy so um she'll be all over the world but right now she's currently um in california my brother's in Illinois. Um, my parents just moved up to Illinois in two years, so it's just been me all lonesome here in Elko, Nevada, when it comes to family, really, um, other than my sons. But uh, I guess we'll just start right into it. So I was born on November 11th, 1993, Clovis, California. I didn't stay there long. Um, we were actually moved up to Boise where um, I was exposed, me and my sister, my uh, sister Mary, who's the 33-year-old, um, Mary and I were exposed to a lot of sexual abuse at a young age that was um, for my father to get uh, alcohol and money for alcohol. Um, it, it's truly a terrible, terrible um, thing to go through but we, we were exposed to that at a young age for my father's selfish reasons um, we were bone, bo or raised in a, a very abusive home my mother was my mother was a great mom is a great mom she never abused us but she was abused by my father quite a bit um, there's a lot of nights where I woke up very young um, I have uh, memories of police coming into my room I've had memories of I've had memories of hearing people yelling and uh, my mother asking why there's blood all over the floor and all over the place I have memories of just so many terrible things a lot of yelling a lot of screaming um, at a young age and uh it, it was a terrible time. My, my father was truly a, a terrible man. 
Um, so my mother met my father, my 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 uh, stepfather, and she moved up to Elko with him, and we were switching back and forth, you know, seeing my birth father and spending time with my my uh, obviously my mother and my stepfather until my father died my birth father died um, when I was about four and I I don't he was a terrible man and you know I don't I'm not sad about the fact that he's gone um, and I never really got to know him really like my other siblings did um, but he wasn't a very good father I can tell you that um, he was just a constant drinker constant smoker abused a lot abused me and my sister and my mother um, and my stepfather I, I wasn't a big fan of my stepfather I fucking hated my stepfather uh, growing up and now we're 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 very close. I love my stepfather now. He's really built me and shaped me. He was always the disciplining father, and I was never used to that uh, growing up. I was just not... I hated I hated him because of the fact that he would discipline me, and I was used to being able to do whatever the fuck I wanted, which I still did, but he, I, I learned the hard way quite a few times. But as... A kid, you know, I was I was a troublemaker, and my dad just tried to shape me and mold me. Him and his father, my pat pat, my pat pat, uh, really shaped me and mold me in life, and had me. Um, my pat pat really did shape me. I, my as a kid, growing up in a small town like Elko, there was really nothing to do other than sports and get in trouble, um, smashing people's windows in on trucks. Um, I've hopped into people's backyards and ate rat poison. Um, it's a, it's a wonder how I'm not dead. Um, just causing a lot of havoc and a lot of trouble, destruction. Um, but growing up, I was just a terrible kid, and my pap pap he he kind of shaped me in the way of discipline. My father did that a lot, and I do owe a lot to my father, but the small amount of time that I had with my pap-pap was really the molder of me and helped me kind of understand um, all of this. Um, but growing up, you know, I was playing football, playing baseball sometimes, and uh, for sports. Um, did wrestling when I was in high school. Um, I remember in high school, there was a key moment to where I remember looking at, at the bottle and seeing my father in, in that bottle. Like, it, like I looked at the bottle, it was me, but it was my father. Because when I was in high school, I drank quite a bit. You know, I... I is that kid phase, you know, of, oh, it's a new thing, we're gonna go fucking do it all the time now, and uh, I'd go out and get drunk with friends um, who were a little older than me, they were able to buy. Um, I hung around those type of people. Um, 
but they're I mean they're good people they're just we're all lost souls I think I'm not quite sure but I saw my father in that bottle and I remember smashing it to the ground and walking away because I didn't want to become him in the way of an alcoholic and at such a young age and that scared the shit out of me um but anyway before that I had experienced my grandmother's death I actually um would spend time with her on the night shifts really or I'd take the night shift and spend time with her and I just watched as she kind of slowly died and that was the first biggest loss I ever went through other than my pap pap which I wasn't able to spend time with him before he died like I did my my grandmother um, on my mom's side and that was the first real taste of death I had um, and it was a it was a shock I was a very emotional boy growing up and I always will I always I am now I'm just a lot of pain has kind of numbed me now I guess but in high school I was playing football I was doing you know great things I had decent grades um, I had hopes of going to college for and scholarship or having a scholarship for football I was doing great junior year is kind of where the downward spiral happened for me. Um, I had just broken up with a girl. Um, I was on and off with, in a, in a relationship with um, for two years. And it was junior year. And I would, I would into a class, drama class. It was essentially an acting class, right? And, uh, this girl with pink hair just kind of caught my caught my uh, eye for some reason that day, um, and she she'd always had an attraction towards me, so she always tried to get my attention. Um, and we started to talk, and then we started to date. And my mother, my mother hated this woman, and yeah, still to this day she hates her even more now. But she just. She said, Jake, early on, she's like, Jake, this is not a girl you want to date. She's she's a little fucked in the head. And I didn't realize it. And I didn't, you know, me being me, you know, I, uh, I was ignorant about it. I really was. I was really ignorant about it. And um, the first indication to my mother, she said to my mother, um, which is, this, this isn't something you say to your boyfriend's mother in case you didn't know uh, dating girls out there. Um, the She said that she didn't think I liked her because we didn't have sex on the first date. And she said, well, my mother was like, when she said that, I was like, dear God, no. No, 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 no. Um, but I continued to date her. Um, uh, I dated her, and uh, we actually, she ended up pregnant uh, my junior year, and uh, that was a, that was part of my downward, that was a huge part of my downward spiral. I love my son to death, but um, that was kind of the part of my life that just kind of didn't make sense. I don't, I'm not quite sure how to word it, but, and I remember telling my mother, about this about about it for the first time that she was going to be pregnant 
or she she was pregnant and uh, I told her mom uh, Michaela the, 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 she's pregnant and uh, we had a cat that like vomited randomly and right at that moment when I said that she had vomited on the floor like right behind us and she heard it and she looked back and then she looked at me with a serious look and she said that's how I feel right now and uh, that was the worst feeling one of the worst feelings I ever had one of I thought it was the worst feeling I would ever have in my life and it was probably the third or fourth um, worst feeling I ever had in my life and she said that's how I'm feeling right now and so I moved out of my parents house and there was a lot of a lot of tension between me and my mother uh, for a while and I ended up staying with her with with uh, with my girlfriend at the time her um, and her at her grandmother's house and uh, I was still doing school I was getting miserable grades I was stressed out I was working I I, I, I almost quit school I almost quit high school and wanted to go start working. And my brother actually gave me some wise words then and said, you're never, don't stop doing school. Here's the thing, you getting money and going to work, you think you'll be ready, you're never gonna be ready as a parent. He already had his daughter at that time. You're never gonna be ready as a parent. And that's one of the wisest words I've ever received in my life you're never ready and uh, that's proved <laughs> that's proved right every single child I've had um, you're never ready to be a parent you're never ready financially emotionally physically you're never ready but um, I, I kept going through high school I was working on the side working at like Walmart Home Depot ragtag jobs and then um, he was born my senior year in April 1st 2013 and um, I actually have a picture with me and her and uh, him and I was receiving my diploma and uh, with with him in my arms and uh, and that was simpler simpler times and my my first year as a father wasn't the greatest I can tell you that I just didn't know I was real young and um, all I knew was go to work and I was still playing video games at the time. I liked my video games and um, I got very obese. I was quite obese as a child, but I wasn't like this. You know, I was, I was a big guy. I, I was stress eating. I was, I never felt, you know, anything. But we got married, her and I actually got married in June, I believe. And what had happened is what had made me marry her is she was talking about weddings and I was doing yard work at her grandmother's house and then I said um, the least romantic fucking proposal most likely but um, I said okay stay right here I'm a, I'll be right back and I grabbed my high school ring and I got on my knee and I said okay let's do this and so we got married in June and that first year with Liam, my oldest son now, um, I wasn't the greatest father. I liked my video games. I was working ragtag jobs. Um, 
I was just a wreck. I was stupid. I was a wreck. I stressed. I, it was a, it was a bad time. Um, then during that a year later, after we had gotten married, we had our anniversary, and then the next day we had a fight. And um, I went to my mom's house, which was like two miles down the road from her grandmother's house. And I just, like, I needed to cool down. I just needed to get away and cool down and then come back and have a conversation about this. Um, It was about two hours later. I come back, and um, there's three cars parked in front of the house. Um, And her grandmother was gone. Her aunt was gone. Everybody was gone. Uh, it's just her and I and the boy for the time being. Uh, or the boy. He was asleep. And um, I opened the door and um, there was three men. Oh, fuck. Um, this is the day after my anniversary, mind you. Three men fully naked, her fully naked, and they were doing things. Let's just say she had, she was the trip to Paris, um, essentially. At that point, I just kind of stood there for a second. They all saw me, and I just walked out. I didn't say a word. I walked out, I walked back to my mom's house, and I said, okay, Um, Mom, I'm going to be staying here a while. I didn't have a license. I didn't have a license. I didn't have my license until I was 21. And I was was 20 at the time, I think. I was 20 at the time. And um, I had... I walked to my mom's house, and that's where I stayed. And I thought that was, like, that was one of the worst... That was probably the third worst feeling I've ever had in my life. Um, third Third or second... Um, and so I tried to get healthier at my mom's house and I tried to lose weight and I started losing weight and uh, going through that divorce it was a messy divorce messy, messy, messy Um, for child custody and child support everything, it was a mess Um, but during that time I never felt like I was I, I felt like I was useless so it was about October. I had owned a uh, high point pistol, forty five, and I remember going into my mom and dad's garage. They were gone on a trip, and I put that forty five to my head, and I pulled the trigger, and it misfired. Um, and I knew at that point, at that point, God had different plans for me he i said i'm not trying this shit again because this was this was a message you're not supposed to do this and i knew i had a son i just felt i felt miserable i felt like i was no good to anybody i was working a ragtag job like i was delivering mattresses and tvs for a living it was i was making 12 dollars an hour it was fucking worthless i i felt like I was nobody. And now 
that I've gotten older and now that I've looked at it, it was a stupid thing to try and thank God it misfired because there's so many things I went through in life, whether it be bad or good, that I've learned from now. Um, then I, uh, November 11th, uh, 2014, I was applying for the mines um, throughout the time at my mom's house. I was trying to get my driver's license. I actually got it. Um, right after I got my mining job. Um, I was hired technically November 11th, uh, my birthday, uh, 2014. They told me, okay, you have the job, you start this day, blah, blah, blah. And I started at the mines at uh, December 1st, 2014. And I was making great money. I, I, I make even more money now. I do really well for myself now. Um, but not gloating in any way, but I was making really good money for that, for a kid that age. And dealing with my son by myself, that's where I really, really started to kick in being a dad. And I started to understand my responsibility. And I started to understand what I was supposed to do as a father because I had to be, I had to be the mom, I had to be the dad. And that's where I started to love my role as a dad and start to understand. and. And my mom really showed me, Jake, you can't, you can't do this with your son. You can't, you gotta be better. And I got better and I proved to be a good dad, I think, to him. I still am, I think, I believe, I hope. We'll know in a couple of years when he's older, I guess. I, I have no idea. But that's where I started to kick in that role. And I was doing very well for myself. I was dating on the side um, after I got divorced. And, you know, we had feuds between me and her all the time. And we still do from time to time. I try to keep it as civil as possible with her because um, I, just, I just don't like um, conflict. But then I met... Uh, I, I started dating a girl and we really connected and a couple months later we got married and um, not a couple months later but it was about six months seven months we got married and um, I, I truly love this girl our first date um, it's funny she, she had just moved here from or moved yeah here Elko Nevada from Las Vegas and um, she she didn't know the area like I did, and, you know, I took her to dinner, bought her flowers, took her to dinner, and then the car I had, it was a shitty Oldsmobile. I actually had my license then. Um, it, it wouldn't start. I went to the park. We went to the park, and we just looked at the stars. That's what I... She's like, wherever you want to go, and I, I just wanted to look at the stars. And she she's a nurse. She was a nurse, a CNA, I guess you'd say, or something like that. I... I never got that terminology but I never felt I felt like she was the one we got married and you know we had our struggles and such and I wasn't quite the person I am today um, when I married her but I, I I could say I was a decent guy you know at least and um, we got married and Stayed at, we were living in my mom's house at the time being for, for a small time and 
Um, we got married in Vegas at the Church of Bells. The Church of Bells is where I got married um, the second time. And I, uh, I, I was happy. I was truly happy. I figured this was the one that I married for the rest of my life. Um, she had uh, weight loss surgery, and that's where I felt like I wasn't going to be good enough for her. Um, because I was a, I, she was a bigger gal, and I was a, a big dude. I was obese, and I was weighing probably 320 pounds at that time. Um, I was a big guy, and I was, I got scared, and she had her, her weight loss surgery, and she lost weight, and then, um, we went to Cancun, and I believe that's where my son was conceived, my, uh, Declan, my son I lost, um, we went through the pregnancy, we felt like everything was okay, then one day, they were monitoring, um, his heart rate and um, they felt something was off and they said okay well we're just gonna get him out of there now everything was really cool everything was really fine like uh, it's nothing to worry about and then um, she she went through 20 hours labor vaginally if you will and they said okay we're gonna get him out of there and um, she went through c-section and uh, he came out not okay um, he had a fractured skull and from what they could tell they when they pulled him they actually fractured his skull. I think the doctors might have fractured his skull and they're trying to pull him because she got stuck. He got stuck in her pelvis. Um, and uh, I remember just being at the head where, where my second wife was, you know, his mother, and talking with her. And they pulled him out and he wasn't breathing. And I remember looking at her. She was drugged. She was drugged. She didn't understand what was going on. She just understood he was not okay. Um, he had suffered some strokes in the womb, too, um, before he was born. But the doctor resuscitated him and was able to get him breathing. And I'm sitting there crying. I'm thinking... He's, he's gone um, and they were able to resuscitate him but he was he was bleeding out he's, he had the fractured skull his brain was injured um, and then the doctor that she was he was his doctor resuscitated him and then she noticed he started shaking he started to have seizures so she'd grab onto him a little bit and then he'd kind of stop but he continued to have seizures 
So him and I were on a life flight to Salt Lake City. He, my biggest memory about him, other than his strength, his flight, um, was he had a seizure so bad on the on the plane, his hand actually hit the glass he was in or the case he was in um, so hard I could hear it on the on the plane. Um, and then he was put on a chopper and I had to go, a paramedic, an ambulance actually picked me up and I rode shotgun in the ambulance to get to the hospital, primary children's in Salt Lake once they will end at the plane and he was he was critical he was bad he was bad he was bad and I remember thinking that whole entire time he's, he's gonna make it he's gotta make it he's gonna be fine he's a martyr he's gonna do this he's gonna he's gonna plow through it um day one I was told the doctors told me yeah he's he's not gonna make it he's not gonna make it he We'll be lucky if he makes it through the night. And I remember telling this to Cheyenne, uh, my second wife, and um, she, she, she was at the hospital healing, and she said, "I gotta go." They finally gave her a lease, and she started heading up to Salt Lake, which is about a three-hour drive three and a half hour drive she actually had to have somebody take her my parents came up there uh, they were living in Elko at the time still and uh, they were my support my dad my dad actually my stepdad had actually been through this he lost two children and uh, he said I remember just seeing my parents and crying that first day I had no sleep I didn't sleep throughout that whole entire time but I stood we stood by his bed and 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 all these monitors all these damn IVs the kid the kid had so many medications to keep him alive in, in, a, in a tube and and so much shit to keep him alive and no brain waves, but when seizures happened. Um, he, but said, you know, the doctors told me he wouldn't make it. And then oh, the night. So we had him blessed and we thought we were saying goodbye. And then Saturday came and it seemed like a good day. He, we started to see more brain activity. Um, whether that was due to the seizures, I'm not quite sure, but it didn't seem like it was due to the seizures. And he he was res kind of responding, I think, where it was a muscle reaction, I'm not quite sure, but you'd put your finger in his hand and he'd grab it. And I remember them feeding him and he, he wanted to, to scream, but he couldn't. He couldn't. 
and uh, seeing him like kind of move his body and, and try to react it, it's another big memory and uh, the next day it was no good it got he got worse I actually got called at 1 a.m. one of the few times I actually was able to sleep I slept for maybe an hour got called at like 1 a.m. I told her to get sleep because she was in rough shape she really was she was strong she was really strong she was in my second wife his mother was really really strong she was in rough shape she was tired she was hurting from the c-section so I told her stay in bed and I went and talked to the doctors and they said he's got another I believe they said it was contusion another brain bleed and he was getting worse he was losing a lot of blood um, so then they decided we need to do some scans to evaluate what, what's going on so finally um, the fifth day they did some scans and I think I don't know how many doctors were in the room now but um, they told us basically there was there wasn't much left of his brain left. No activity, all of it was due to seizure. He's basically brain dead. And all, I was so tired at that time and I'm, I'm a, such a simple man. I was like, what, what, you gotta give me percentages. And it drove, it drove Cheyenne nuts. That I, but it was the only way for me to understand what the hell and his likability of having a, 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 a life or the likability of this, the likability of that, you know, is he going to breathe on his own? Is he going to be able to stand any of that? They basically told us he would be in a case all of his life and he'd, he'd be dependent on everything they had on him for a while. And, um, I said, so what is your recommendation? And they said, we recommend you let him go. And uh, Cheyenne didn't like that. She didn't. She's a good mom. She's a great mom. She's an amazing mom. Um, but her and I sat down. The family kind of gathered around us and said, okay, started prepping us. To say goodbye, but Cheyenne wanted to fight it. I understand why. It's she's a mom. She wants. She doesn't want to see her baby go. But her and I sat down, and I said, "We gotta let him go. This isn't right. This isn't right. What we're doing to him." And her being the mom and just trying to protect her son, you know, at the time, um, she said, "Just a couple more days." And I said, "For what?" There's. I said some things that. I wish I could take back and I wish I wish I didn't say and it was terrible of me to say I know that now um, you know I said we can't just watch this happen this this sick experiment that you want to do with this son with our son I'm not gonna watch it somebody's at that point I was out of PTO I had no other choice but to go back home. And and if she was like and it was her decision basically. It was her decision. 
um, whether we let him go. And I said, um, if uh, I said, if you're gonna keep him alive, I gotta somebody's gotta go back to work. And I uh, basically, and I I couldn't. I said I can't watch this. I can't watch you do this to him. Is that I said, you know, this this doesn't seem right. I don't agree with it. And I was about ready to walk out the door, and she said, if you walk out that door, and I said, don't worry, divorce papers will be on the table. And um, I I think at that time I truly meant that because I I don't know why. I felt that way at that time. There were so many different emotions, but it was like, I, I can't I can't watch him go through this and I'm not gonna watch it happen. I knew that much. And then I remember trying to go see him one last time before I took off. I was gonna take off. I was gonna have my parents drive me from Salt Lake back home so I can go back to work because I knew we were gonna need the money if she was gonna keep him alive. And I don't know if I would have actually divorced her. I really don't know. Um, and she, the nurses said I wasn't allowed in the room, that she would restricted me from the room, and I don't know if that's correct or not. But I was just pissed at that point, and I said, okay, let's go home. I'll see him soon. And uh, she called me about five minutes later I was about halfway to the car to go to the hotel to leave she said I know what we gotta do now come back so we started slowly stripping him of all the stuff and uh, his IV everything I got to give him his last bath I got to read his him his first his last book and uh, they stripped everything from him and uh, put him in me and Cheyenne's arms we were so fucking tired but he fought he fought goddamn hard he Declan that boy he fought hard I've never, I've never seen somebody fight for their life that hard. And you can hear him gasping for his breaths. You can hear him gasping for him. Because he couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe. He had, he needed that too. And he, he died in our arms. March 21st. In the morning, early morning. And her and I were pretty silent. We watched him take him away and we headed to our hotel room that we were in. We got a couple hours sleep, if that, not even that. I don't think I slept. I've never seen Watching light fade from a baby's eyes is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And the worst feeling I've felt in my life. And hearing those gasps and then, then 
holding something that had a heartbeat and now it's gone. They go cold and still. That's the worst moment of my life. And knowing as a dad that my whole entire job was to protect him and I didn't, I couldn't do anything. I literally had to watch him die. And to this day, sometimes there's times where I come to regret that decision. There is. Um, of, of, of pulling him off the life support, basically. But I know deep in my heart somewhere that I did the right thing. He wasn't going to be able to do anything in life. Um, so we, we drove home pretty silent. I had to take some weeks off of work. I was mentally not right for a long time. For a long time. About a month. I stayed out of work and I went to therapist to try and get these I had I had like visions. I'd see him I'd see him dying. I'd see him slam his hand against the glass in that plane like I talked about earlier. And I would just zone out of the world and I'd just be staring at a wall basically and I wouldn't acknowledge anybody. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hear anybody. And somebody had to kind of touch me and shake me in order to get me out of it for a while. Because that's all I ever saw. I have times like that now, but not, not nearly what they were. And um, her and I started to have issues. We, we just didn't feel... Obviously, she held it. She held a grudge, and I held a grudge against her. But we had our issues. But we had our our second son together. And explaining this to Liam, he was about six at the time, five. He just didn't understand. I mean, he didn't understand. You know, he says, I miss Declan all the time now. He sees pictures of him. And, you know, that's all we have is a couple of pictures of Declan, us holding Declan. And uh, he'll say, I miss Declan. And I'll tell him all the time, I do too, son. Every day, I miss him. Um, but we had our second child together. And... Um, Little Rylan. He's two now. He was born 2019. Um, February 21st. And uh, I remember holding... I remember those nine months coming up to that birth. We were scared shitless. We went up to Salt Lake for the best doctors we could possibly see to make sure this was going to work this time. And this That th this one was going to make it. And Rylan, blessed be that boy. I love, I love that boy. I love both of my kids. Um, but Rylan, he's a little rainbow baby. He, he brought a lot of joy to her life, and he still does. But throughout that time, 
we were still having issues, her and I. And then one day, um, there's a couple nights where she didn't come home till late. Like, we're talking early morning late. Because we were arguing. Then she uh, told me, I'm going to... I'm going to pack some of my stuff and I'm going to go somewhere else for a bit. And then the next thing I know, all of her stuff was gone. All of it. She left. And um, that was hard. That was truly hard. That was the toughest, the toughest time. It was not the toughest time of my life, but it was definitely a tough time. You know, through our vows, felt like our vows didn't mean shit. It felt like there was nothing like I, I love it felt like love was a lie it was just a big lie and um, it was tough but after she had left I drank a lot drank a shit ton I was gaining a lot of weight so I decided to see a doctor and get my surgery done. Um, my uh, It was supposed to be a gastric sleeve. It ended up being a miniature bypass. Um, but uh, that was on October 15th. I believe it was October 15th, 2019, that that got done. And uh, I got it done, and... I started losing my weight really quickly, really quickly. Um, before I had, um, before I had that uh, weight loss surgery, it was um, I was weighing at 350, and I was eating unhealthy. I was terrible. I tried dieting; it didn't work. It just wasn't working. My doctors were telling me my my blood pressure was high. I had migraines all the time, or headaches all the time. I just constantly didn't feel good. I was always tired, um, partly because of my weight and de depression. Um, and after I got that done, the, the doctor had essentially screwed up and um, when he went to make the cut, because I've been gutting my chew for so long, um, it made scarring in my stomach. So when he went to go cut it, he cut the stomach in half instead of cutting a s small portion of my stomach out. And um, that left me with a very small stomach. And the, the prep for that was fucking hell. I mean, it was, it was hell. I mean, you had to be, the, the day before I started like the liquid diet I ordered two fucking pizzas and a lava cake <laughs> and 
And I ate it all. I ate it all. I was like, this is the last fucking meal that I'll ever have this big ever again. And I was right. That, like, I can't eat shit now. But you had to do two months li- or two weeks liquid diet. And then after that, you're on two weeks liquid, two weeks ba- basically baby food, and then really soft food after that or for another two weeks. And then you're able to eat kind of normally. And after that surgery, dairy doesn't really sit well with me. Cheese is fine. Like milk, I can't have a cup of milk. It makes me sick. Um, anything overly sweet makes me sick. Like violently sick. Um, and what else? I think that's about it. But I started to lose weight. I was doing really good. I got back to my um, old job process. So I was uh, working out more. And I was, work is demanding physically. As a crusher operator, it can be very demanding. Um, so I started losing weight, started shedding it. And then about in April, I think it was April, I discovered TikTok. Now I tried to make a TikTok like two years prior to that. And I, and I started in 2020, I think. Did I start in 2020? Yeah, I'm pretty damn yeah, I'm pretty damn sure I started in twenty twenty. Um March or April, I discovered TikTok and I tried to make a TikTok. I kinda watched some TikToks and I decided to try it two years prior and it didn't work out and I deleted it. And then TikTok I was watching I was scrolling through, I was like, I'm funnier than at least half of these motherfuckers and I'm better looking than another half or about a quarter of them. So, my first TikTok was about owning a Hummer, an H3. Some of you guys might know about that. And uh, how big of a piece of shit it was. And then after that, I, I just got the ball rolling for for my TikTok. I guess you could say career. Um, and I've met so many great people through TikTok. Um, so many great people. And I've learned so many lessons. Um, through TikTok and it's it's been a fun ride it's really been a fun ride on TikTok and I've had I've watched people just blow up that were underneath me and I love it or not underneath me but had a lower following and blow up way past me and I just love seeing that and it's not jealousy at all like I'm happy for people I might I don't I didn't mean for this shit to happen Okay, I, I just got on TikTok fucking around and then one day I was like, you know what? I'm I really like doing this shit. Like it was is therapeutic to me almost. And I you know, talked about my weight loss and throughout that time I lost from 350 down to 195 for fuck's sake, 190. Now I think I weigh. Um I talked about my weight loss, I talked about comedy shit, I talked, you know, I did the trending bullshit if you will and I kind of got famous, I think. It's just crazy. It's crazy the the journey I've had on TikTok. And um, ever since, it's been just crazy as all can be. It's been a lot of fun, really. Um, And now some of you guys are listening. But what I've learned most about life now 
I've, and I've met so many great people on TikTok and I've learned so many lessons and I'll be actually meeting somebody that I um, I've fallen deeply in love with um, here in the next couple days as a matter of fact on Saturday um, she'll be here well she'll be in Salt Lake and I'll pick her up at Salt Lake and we'll have a great time but after all that's basically my life in a nutshell um, and then in 52 minutes I guess what I've learned in life is life is short treasure things patience um, there's no use in being angry about shit all the time no use in being intertwined in politics all the fucking time because it just makes you angry um, and uh not to disable yourself when I lost when I lost Declan I did disable myself quite a bit I did and now I carry him with me and I I don't drag him anymore dragging him and carrying him are a little different uh, dragging him men means that it's you'll slow down but if you carry him you carry that weight but you're able to run and you're able to Everything I see, everything I do is for is for my son, essentially. Not for my son, but I feel for him. I'm, I'm there for him, you know what I mean? But, yeah, that's my life in a nutshell. So, thank you guys for listening. Sorry if it was a terribly stupid story of my life. But I thought, you know, I thought about how people... I can relate to some people, they can relate to me, and so on and so forth. But, um, this is not your first round pick off of TikTok. Jake Martin, a real person, telling you my story in life. And I want to tell you all, thank you for your love and support throughout the year on TikTok. It's been a wonderful journey. I'm excited to continue it with you guys, and I'm excited to, um, start a new journey of of TikTok every year but I want to tell you guys thank you and thank you for listening to my story much love